Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. I am so grateful for your pastors, Dwayne, Jeannie, Pastor Daniel, for having me here. You might know this, but many churches aren't open to having somebody like myself come and speak on this issue of homosexuality. I believe we're in the end of the end times. I believe these are the perilous times the Lord was talking about. He didn't have to name it. It's evident that we're in the last days. Homosexuality is one of the number one issues you and I are dealing with in America. However, the body of Christ worldwide is challenged to respond to this issue. The church, not the stained glass, not the steeple, this building, the church, you have a responsibility to bring truth, clarity, and solutions to anybody and everybody dealing with homosexuality or any other sin that we're dealing with. We talk about the gay community. They don't want to come to church. They don't want to know truth. Some do and some don't. Many want us to bow down to their ideology. They want to tell us how to raise our children, what bathrooms they're going to go into or not go into, how we should say their name, what pronouns we should use or what we shouldn't use or how we should address them. Let me make it clear. God's design is under attack. And the LGBT community, whether you believe it or not, are after our children. You hear all over social media that, look, if that's what you want to do, that's up to you. You've crossed the line when you come after our children. In the end, the Bible says that we need to protect our children because they're a heritage from the Lord. The very people that should be protecting them, such as mothers and fathers, school teachers, counselors, are mutilating their poor bodies. You hear many people say, well, Janet, weren't they born that way? You wouldn't believe I have pastors asking me that question. Ordained pastors. Did Jesus really address Jesus? transgenderism or homosexuality? Yes. Marriage is between one man and one woman. God didn't make a mistake. He made it very clear and he made it very plain that a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and marriage is between one man, one woman, a holy covenant before God for life. Folks, that's truth. I believe if Jesus was on the planet today, what would he say to the transgender or the homosexual or even Bruce Jenner who had gender reassignment surgery? He would say to each and every one of them, I made you a male or a female on purpose for a purpose. To the man, he would say, you're wearing woman face. To the woman, you're wearing man face. You're appropriating womanhood or manhood. You don't stop being a man because you're dressed in women's clothing and vice versa. You would hear many of the LGBT community say, well, wait a minute, Janet, and I hear this from other people. Why do I have this agonizing desire. Why am I still tempted against the very thing that you say is against his plan? Well, wait a minute. We all have a tendency to sin, whether it's porn, overeating, same-sex attraction, gender dysphoria. The tendency or the propensity may be the same or may be different, but the response from the gospel is still the same. We are to reject things 
that are not of God's will or plan for our life. But some people don't see it that way. Some people give in to that bend, such as a 60-year-old man who has a desire and is living as a six-year-old and has adult parents. You won't see it in this video, the adult parents, but you'll see the man that's living as a six-year-old. He had five kids and walked away from his marriage and his family. You have to ask yourself, what has he been through? What traumatic experiences that he would want to live as a six-year-old kid? He's been this way for a while. This is a newer video since COVID. And then we wonder why suicide and homosexuality is on the rise. In 2023, one in four students identify as LGBT. In 2020, there was a survey done based on the experiences of 35,000 youth from the ages of 13 to 24 all across the United States. And what they found out was 42% of lesbian, gays, bisexual, transgender, queer youth seriously attempted suicide. That's a high percentage. And the polling determined that our Gen Zs are leading the way. Why? Why? You said you're happy. You, you want to live a homosexual life. You're abandoning your family. You're turning your back on your friends. Why? Because they haven't gotten healing from the trauma they endured, whether it was an adult or as a kid. Only trauma can have you do certain things like that or go into a life of homosexuality. It's an illusion, folks, to call yourself a man when God made you a woman. You know, everybody heard about the movie that came out with Matt Walsh. What is a woman? Who is a woman? What is a woman? And he interviewed a woman who transitioned to a man and now calls herself Scott. Her real name is Kelly. And now she's out speaking against sex changes surgeries on minors. You know, the doctors know this is an experiment. Nobody is warning those that are transitioning in what can happen after the fact. Is it all about the money? Because you can't change God's DNA. And while Kelly, who they call Scott, is doing everything she can to push back and come after these doctors, you would think that the transgender community or the gays and lesbians would support her. But no. They're coming out of the closet and they're trying to push us back in the closet. They're trying to scare us, silence us, take away your parental rights, take over our women's bathrooms, our sports, and most importantly, indoctrinate your children. Knowing how their minds are so impressionable. You have your schools are telling your children that they can be any sex they want to be and willing to assist your child into transitioning without your consent. In Minnesota, less than a month ago, they passed a bill, grants legal protection to people to travel to Minnesota for gender affirming care. You can look that up at your leisure. It's called the HF146 bill will strip you of custody of your child if you do not affirm their gender. They call it the trans refuge bill. I call it the kidnapping bill. Let me tell you something, folks. This is happening all across the country. And some of this stuff, you don't even know about it, but because I'm involved in it on a daily basis, I get to hear about a lot of these things that are going on. Let me prove to you that this is happening. A year ago, a mom experienced this. Imagine that. Being a parent, your child is dealing with homosexuality. They don't talk with you about it, and they go to their counselor at school. And without your consent, they transition your child. 
and you don't hear about it until the procedure is over. You can't get your driver's license until you're 15 or 16. You can't go in the bar until you're 21, which I'm hoping you're not doing. But you're willing to mutilate and cut off body parts of our children. Something's wrong with this picture, folks. It happened to this mother. It's happening in Minnesota. It's happening in California. We can say, oh yeah, they're a liberal state. It doesn't matter. It's happening all across the country. And then you have the NEA, the National Education Association. They represent the teachers' union. Everybody you know who they are. When you go to school for your kids, you have these NEA meetings and teachers' meetings. The National Education Association, about a year ago, proposed a resolution that would change the words mother to birthing parents for the purpose of supporting and being inclusive to the homosexual community. The gay community right now wants to get rid of Mother's Day and Father's Day because it doesn't support them. They want to call it Parents' Day. What is my desire for you by the time you leave here? That you're no longer satisfied with the same old status quo. That you're not sitting on the sidelines, but you are determined in your heart that you need to be a part of this. That this will pull on your heartstrings in a good way. I don't want you to be moved by emotions. I want the Holy Spirit to move on your heart so you can get involved because we need you. We need everybody that's watching online or live stream. We have to find a way to get involved or we're going to continue to lose our young children. Imagine those of us that are adults growing up in this era. I believe in order for you to be determined to get involved, you're going to have to get some backbone. You're going to have to get a titanium spine. You're going to have to get some courage. Because I'm going to tell you one thing, the enemy is going to keep coming and coming and coming. We got to be strong and courageous like the Bible says. You can't be afraid. You can't let them intimidate you. And most importantly, you can't panic. The Bible says that the Lord goes with you. He won't leave you or forsake you. If he calls us, he will equip us. You hide the word in your heart so you don't sin against him. Thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. You have the word of God in you. You have the Holy Spirit. He will direct you and he will help you. There's nothing Satan can do to you, folks. Don't be afraid of what man can do to you, but be afraid of what God can do to you. I want you to leave here with confidence. I talk with many people and I know many of you have loved ones or a friend or you know somebody that's dealing with homosexuality. Or maybe it's not homosexuality, maybe it's drugs or alcohol or just walked away from their faith. I believe that they will stand in their freedom someday if you don't cave, if you don't give in, if you don't give up. And when I talk about standing in your freedom, I can't help but my heart to go towards our, our millennials and our Gen Zs. My heart breaks for our children. They are a fearless generation ready to raise up a standard and let the world know, hey, we're here to fight for what belongs to us. When you see people out there on the front lines, who do you see? You see millennials and Gen Zs. I love that many of them haven't fallen asleep, have not compromised their morals or their values for a counterfeit offer. But folks, we're in a battle, and we're in a spiritual battle. Oh, come on, Janet, what are we in a spiritual battle for? Keep Jesus' name famous. Keep Jesus' name famous. We have the Dodgers that support the godless and the Christ-mocking so-called trans nuns. They're mocking God all the time. I take offense to that. I don't know about you, but I take an offense to that. That's the man that died on the cross for me, and I have eternal life because of him. We should all feel that way. It's offensive. We're in a battle for our marriages for the words male and female, boys and girls, even for the words mom and dad. That might seem trivial, but they're after that. They want to shut that off. You have the executive producer at Disney admitting 
to pushing a not-at-all gay secret agenda. No wonder Ron DeSantis is fighting Disney. Disney, let's have two characters kissing. Let's just put gayness all over the place, and that's just what they're doing. I hope we're not taking our children to Disney. Whether you promise them or not, there's other places that you can take your children. <laughs> Vivian Ware, she is the Disney diversity inclusive manager, explained to the park, all the employees, that they will no longer refer to our children or you when you come in to the park. They have removed all genders, all genders. They're only going to call you a, a boy. Matter of fact, they're not even going to call you that. They're going to say, hello, friends. Hi, pal, or a gender-neutral word. That's how they're addressing everybody that comes into the theme park. Why? Because it offends one of the trans people if you call them a boy and they're really a girl and vice versa, they don't want to offend the trans community. Folks, this is Gay Pride Month. I'm not trying to get political, but Biden gave them a month. We celebrate Christmas, Jesus, one day, 4th of July, one day, Martin Luther King, one day, our birthdays, one day. And they get to terrorize us for a full month, being naked. That's pretty sad. It's pretty sad what's happening in our world today because of something that happened five decades ago, the Stonewall Uprising. Let me tell you something, folks. When people show you who they are, we got to start believing them. When they say they're coming for our children, they're coming for your children. We'll make them tolerant and queer. They just came out with a new song. When that song first came out over a year ago, they got a lot of backlash and they took it down. Now they came out with another song. Now they're not backing down. When somebody say they're coming for your children, you cannot let your guards down. I'm gonna do like I did earlier today. I'm gonna to take a bunny rabbit trail. Parents, if you have children in a public school, you need to know what books are in that library. You have kids in kindergarten, first and second and third and fourth grade who really don't know what they're reading and just looking at pictures. They have pictures of men having sex with each other in books. That's just not a lie. You need to know what's there and then confront them. If not you, then who? Parents, you have a voice. If your children don't go to school, the school doesn't get paid. You need to know what you're capable of in your rights when it comes to the school district. That's why it's so important how you and I live our lives. It's important what we preach or what we don't preach on the pulpit. Because people are listening. Are they preaching on homosexuality or are they not preaching on homosexuality? Oh, they don't, they're not going to deal with this issue. Well, this church is going to preach on homosexuality. We have our, our peers, we have friends, we have families. They're watching us. Because we have the answers, folks. Jesus Christ is the answer. We as a church cannot effectively change a world that we're in if we're governed by the ruler of this world, Satan. God's given you authority. And sometimes you have to re be reminded of the authority that we have over the enemy. We pose a threat. Why do you think he works so hard to try to get us, to try to take us out? You have the ability right now and the authority right now over the enemy. Can't harm you. He has nothing on you. There's no redemption for Satan. He's going to hell no matter what. But he'll do everything he can to torment us. 
Jesus freed us from what the law could not free us from, folks. But freedom comes with a price. It comes with a responsibility. In Galatians 5.13, it says we are called to be free. We need to thank God every day for sending his son. Because without Jesus, there's no freedom. Free people, free people. But freedom isn't a word that we throw out just to justify the way we live our lives. Freedom is a gift from God that enables us to cause things to change. There's some things that we can change and there's some things we can't. The color of my skin, it is an immutable, unchangeable characteristic. I can't change that and neither can you. But people can change from homosexuality to walk in holiness. You see, I never thought I could be free based on the family I lived in, living a lesbian life for as long as I did. And it's only by the grace of God that I can say that I'm free today, especially being raised in a family of seven kids with four different fathers. Watching the man that raised me beat my mother, knock her down steps, the bruises that we, we saw on my mother. It tormented us. It scared us. There's days when we didn't know if my mother would make it because of the fights that broke out at our house. I myself started adapting a lot of those same behaviors. I started fighting and beating people up. I was doing what I saw my parents do. As I said earlier this morning, if your children are acting out in a certain way, you have to look and see if something is going on at your home, if you're saying things or doing things that they're mimicking. And then they're getting in trouble for doing what you're doing. Like what happened to me. You see, my life was being shaped. Our lives are being shaped by our early experiences. You see, I know my late mother wanted us to have a great life. She was illiterate, she wasn't educated like I was, but I know she wanted us to have a great life. But all the beatings in the world and the punishments could not make me turn out the way my mother wanted me to. Parents, you cannot make your children turn out the way you want them to. But you can create an environment that give them a great possibility. If it's demonstrated at home, it's a good possibility that they're going to follow your lead. Well, I followed my mom's lead, all right. Hey, Janet, how was that working for you? Not too good. I thought I was being a great daughter by doing all the things I saw my mom doing, hoping, wanting to be noticed, wanting some affection. And that's not something I was able to get. Those days of trying to be like mom only turned into me getting more beatings or me going to school, bullying other kids and, and getting kicked out of school. I'm sure my mother thought taking me to church to Episcopalian church was going to make everything better. Walking into a church is not going to make things better unless you deal with the trauma at hand. At the age of 65, I am still dealing with my childhood and the things that happened to me. And I've been in the church for a long time. Not that the word of God isn't powerful, but sometimes you need to go and talk with a professional. As I said earlier today, homosexuality wasn't my problem. It was the manifestation of what's really going on inside of that person. You know, I talk with many parents all over the country. And by the time I'm finished talking with the parent, they tell me what's going on with their child. They were raised in a Christian home and we, we raised them up going to church and they went to Bible study. They did this and they did that. And I said, if I talk with your child, what would they tell me? Because they would probably tell me something totally different. And we want to make everything look so good. I can't help you if you fluff up everything. The church can't help you if you try to make everything pretty with a bow. Let's be transparent and honest and get down to the root cause of why we're dealing with what we're dealing with today. 
So we're able to become whole and start helping other people. That's the goal. That person has to get professional help. That person has to get or work with a certified person that deals with EMDR. EMDR is something that I'm doing right now. It is a therapy that helps your brain process thoughts and feelings like it did before the trauma. It's powerful, but it works. And instead of getting help, we see people coming out of the life of homosexuality, and I could name a few people, but I won't do that. As soon as they say, hey, I'm free, we want to give them a platform. We see people that are detransitioning, that realize that they made a mistake and now they're suing the doctors and they should. But we're finding them on all these mainstream TV shows and they haven't even dealt with the problem that got them there in the first place. And then when they go back, we say, oh, it didn't work. I knew church didn't work. I knew you were this. No, we need to get to the root cause of what got him there the first place. I'll never forget the day at Mac and Lynn Hammond's church when I was about to go into full-time ministry when they ordained me. One of the pastors, Tim Burt, said to me, because they knew I was going to be working with women. First thing he asked me, can you work with women without having a sexual relationship with them? I wasn't even moved by his answer. I looked at him and said, that is a good question. Everybody should ask that question, especially if they know that you came out of a lesbian or gay lifestyle. They, you need to ask those hard questions. We should ask those hard questions. We don't want people turning our children, and it's happening too much in the church. I went to church. And that's how I found out that the next to the oldest brother of mine was gay. See, back in my era, it was cross-dressing. He was stealing me and my sister's clothes. And I'm going to be honest with you, we were like clapping in the background because we were getting beatings because we couldn't find our clothes, and here he was stealing them. A lady knocked on the door and said to my mom, your son is calling himself Barbara. He was dressed as a woman last night. Well, we, we didn't know anything about it, and I didn't have time to worry about his problem because I was dealing with my own. I was getting kicked out of schools, and my, my peers didn't like me, and the teachers hated me. But they didn't know which Janet was going to show up. Was it that girl who was going to give away her lunch, or was it the girl who was going to start beating everybody in the school up and getting kicked out of school? I had nobody to confide in to talk about what I was dealing with. I knew I couldn't talk to my mother, that's for sure, because I wasn't ready for another whooping. It's very difficult being butt naked, getting beat with a stension cord or a switch. That's trauma. Watching my mom get abused is trauma, and what happened to her, she wind up doing to us. If you know somebody that is dealing with this issue, can they confide in you? Can they sit down and talk? with you without you supporting their ideology? Can you speak truth into their life? Because that's love. Because we want them free. But I didn't have that growing up. I thank God for my eighth grade English teacher coming into my life, her and her husband, who was a social studies teacher. They literally took the worst kid in the school under their wing. And I believe me, it didn't go over very well because they thought I would never make anything of myself. She'll be dead by the time she's 21. She'll be on drugs. Why don't you work with those that are getting A's and B's and those that are going to go on and we know they're going to do something with their life. She is worthless. The Bible says your steps are ordered. God ordained that back in eighth grade when I met my teacher. She took me under her wing, and I started spending time with her. Her and her husband were the only people my mom would allow me to go out and hang out with. My mom was very strict. When all the other kids were playing, we were sitting on the steps or cleaning. 
If you walked into my house today, you, was, you would think I never lived there. It looks like a model home. She beat that into us. It's engraved in me to keep my house clean. But I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress and we all are. And I'm not even ashamed of it because maybe I can help somebody out there. But you can only deal with what you bring to the light. I said you can only deal with what you bring to the light. I'm okay exposing myself because I'm not going to let the devil win anymore. This is the only way we're going to get to the root cause of why we are the way that we are. My eighth grade English teacher was the only person that would affirm me. My mother never affirmed me. I don't even know if she knew how to affirm me. I told my eighth grade English teacher everything, except for when I was raped by one of those forefathers. I went to hang out with my sister. That was her father, the oldest one. And me and my little sister are like two little ducks following behind her. And then one day, he sent my sister to the store and my youngest sister, and he raped me at the age of 13. I didn't tell my mother until I was 21, and she didn't believe me. Until 15 years later, another sibling had the same story, and we didn't know about each other. And then she believed me. 90% of women have been sexually assaulted that are living a homosexual life. 70% of gay men reported childhood sexual assault. That's a very high percentage. And I took all that behavior and that pain into all my relationships, all my friendships, into my adult life. And my motto is, if you know better, you do better. But I didn't know any better. Some of you don't even know any better. You see, in the black community, we couldn't afford to get counseling. We had to suppress it. I'll never forget the time that, you know, getting our teeth pulled or going to the dentist. My mom would say, I can't afford it. Pull it. Thank God, you know, I'm in a different place and I have nice teeth today, but... That's only by the grace of God. The things that we go through, that we're all dealing with. I made an internal declaration, folks, that I would never live the life my mother lived, that men will never hurt me, that I will never marry a black man even though my heart has changed from all the healing and I would never have kids out of wedlock. I was determined that what happened to my mother would never happen to me. And when women had this type of experience, it really does push them into transgenderism or homosexuality because I thought being a man in a relationship, being a dominating one, I will be a better man than my father was. I had something to prove because all the men around me were pathetic and I thought I could be better, but I couldn't. As much as I tried, I realized that I couldn't. My eighth grade English teacher moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I followed her three years later. And I went to Concordia College, which is a Christian school at that time, and there was a girl that I ran into, and I can't find her today, and you know, I wonder if it was an angel. And she invited me to this church called Jesus People Church, and I went to church, and I got saved. Didn't know what I was doing. I think I said the salvation prayer when buses used to pick us up on the street and take us to church during the week. Back in my day, that's what we did. And I gave my heart to the Lord, and I went home and told my family about my newfound faith. And during that time when I was whole, and my brother, who was living a homosexual life, told me a secret that he had the virus, and I didn't quite understand that back then. He said that he wasn't going to die, but he needed to take medication. I didn't pay it any mind when he said he wasn't going to die. I didn't think any more about it. 
So I went back and I met this awesome guy that I thought I would marry someday, August of 1985. I was supposed to walk down the aisle and that day would never happen because I met a girl and I wind up having a sexual relationship with her before I walked down the aisle. I wanted to be transparent. So the pastor that was counseling me that was gonna officiate my wedding, I went to him the next day and I told him what I did and he said three things which are very important and he didn't know how important they was. Call off your wedding, tell your fiance and get some help. I called off my wedding. I told my fiance and I walked away from the Lord. What I didn't know then that I know now is that trauma can cause you to medicate your pain in so many different harmful ways. It caused me to walk away from my faith because I didn't know how to deal with that pain at hand. Was I afraid to go into a marriage? Was I more comfortable with this woman because she was affirming me? She was embracing me and giving me what I, what I needed. Something I was looking for from my mother. We know what the Bible says that in John 15, 19 and 20, that Satan and the world would love to have us and I gave myself away. He wants each and every one of us. But the Bible says he cannot have us. We're a child of the most high God. I didn't have anybody to protect me. Nobody. You almost feel like you're out there all alone, just trying to swim upstream. You know, the Lord showed me something that really just touched my heart. That Janet, many people will lock their car doors, they'll lock their homes, they'll put their valuables in the bank, they'll put their money in the bank, but they won't protect the greater one inside of them. I didn't protect the greater one inside me. That's probably why I walked away from the Lord for 14 years and lived a lesbian life. I don't know if he showed that picture. When I walked away from my faith. But I got to a point where I wasn't happy. I was in a relationship. I had everything I wanted. At least I thought I did, but something was empty. Something was missing. It, it felt like a hollow hole needed to be filled. And I realized when my thinking started changing, God started to work on me. You get to a place when you're in the world, you get comfortable, but you get miserable. I wanted the relationship back that I had with God and, and I wasn't sure how I was going to get it. There was a church one mile down the street from me I would see on a regular basis. And the Lord spoke to my heart, even in my lesbian life, that I was going to go to church. I felt like I had an outer body experience. Five years later, three o'clock in the morning, I was going to a grocery store and I ran into a woman. She was coming out of the grocery store and I was going in three in the morning. And we engaged in a conversation because I said, ma'am, what are you doing out here three o'clock in the morning? Nobody gets groceries this time of morning. And she said, oh, I dropped my son off at school and I thought she was afraid of me. I was like, ma'am, I'm not gonna hurt you. You don't have to lie. She said, no, my son, he's in college. I took him to his dorm because my husband and I are going on vacation tomorrow. We have four boys and we needed to get some groceries. And I said, well, what school is that? And she said, North Central Bible College, where I took homiletics and hermeneutics before I walked away from my faith. So I knew she was a Christian. And I said, I went to that school one time, and, but I walked away from my faith. I'm living a lesbian life. This woman pulls out a brochure and she starts writing her number down and she gave it to me and she said, I'll be back in two weeks. Why don't you give me a call? It was the church that was right down the street from me. Two weeks later, I went to church and rededicated my heart to the Lord in 1998. What's so neat about the story is what the women in the church did. You see, there was a Bible study in the pastor's office and it was so small, only 10 women could fit in there. So one day Tammy called me and said, Janet, there's a Bible study, would you like to go? And me and my dumb self said yes, because I, I didn't know what to expect. Well, during that time I had my own cleaning business, that's why I was up three o'clock in the morning. So I figured after the Bible study I would leave and go to work. 
Why well, get to the Bible study, ladies, and you will get this. And I walk in the door, and I see these women dressed to the nines. They had their Louis Vuittons, and they had their hair did and their nails done, and I started backing up, and I couldn't go anywhere. It was like I was in cement. My feet would not move. I could only move forward. So I went and sat down. And once they saw that I was there, because they assumed I was coming, they didn't know for sure. We did this AA meeting, go around and introduce yourself. <laughs> and when they got to me, I said, my name is Janet. I'm living a lesbian life. But if you help me, I promise you I will serve the Lord the rest of my life. Months later, one of the leaders came to me and said, Janet, my husband and I and our three children have been praying for you. We would really like you to come live with us. At the age of 40, I sold my home, my girlfriend moved out, and I moved in with a Christian family. That's where I really got to see how a man should treat his wife and how a wife should treat their husband. They had a wonderful marriage. What it was like to have a family. At night, I could hear them outside my door praying for me as they're going along praying for the other kids as well. One of the daughters gave up her room for me. We ate together. I never forget the day when I looked at the lady of the house and I said, you know, I, I want to tell you that you look nice, but I'm afraid that you think you're going to think that I like you or something. And you know what she said to me without a blank, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things become new. I wouldn't even have thought that. And that's when I knew that my life was starting to change. She didn't look at me and say, Janet, you wear boxers. You're wearing men's clothing. Don't you think we should go out and get you some dresses or don't you think you should put makeup on? Nobody in the church has ever said that to me because they knew that change was going to happen in the inside before it happened on the outside. As time went on, I did go to the lady of the house and I asked her, would she take me to JC Penney's to put on makeup? That didn't go over too well because I look like a ghost. You take a girl who never wore makeup and they put it on your face and it scared me half to death. <laughs> but I didn't give up. I poked myself in the eyes so many times I would call my mom and I'd start crying. I said, mom, how do you do it all these years? I didn't know how to curl my hair. I didn't know how to put on makeup. That was a transition from dressing in men's clothing at Macy's to transitioning over to a woman because every time I go to the store, I go to the men's department because that's what I was used to. And then I realized I throw my hands in the air and I go out crying because I didn't know how to dress like a woman. Until one day, I said to one of the workers, I said, can you help me? I I'm trying to buy some clothing, but I don't know how to match clothing. This woman bought me so many clothing and she started working with me and that's how I learned. I asked one of the pastor's wives if they would take me shopping. They took me shopping and helped me pick out clothes. I mean, it was new for me dressing in women's clothing, but that too was a process. I think I'm doing pretty good now. <laughs> What am I trying to say here? Let's not play God Jr. I said that in early services. If you love people where they are, change will come because they will want what you have. I'm still learning how to put on makeup and do my hair. I have to admit, I still have to have people do my hair. I'm just not good with that flat iron. But I still try. While living with the family, there was a knock at the door at three o'clock in the morning. My family received a call or a knock at their door. My brother was incarcerated. And his cellmate couldn't figure out where he was. Three days before the knock on my mother's door, my brother was rushed to the hospital. By the time my family found out, and by the time the warden decided to let my family know where he was, I was in Minnesota, there in Philadelphia, my brother's organs were shutting down. 
I lost my brother to AIDS in 1999 at the age of 45. You see, what I come to realize is that sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. I didn't anticipate living a lesbian life for 14 years. People don't plan to look at pornography for 10 and 15, 20 years once they indulge or do drugs. Some days I wonder what my children would look like today, how different my life would be. Being single, sometimes I wonder if Maybe I won't say that. Some days I wonder if this is my consequences for walking away. What my children would be doing today. You think about those things, you're human. I'll never get those years back. But we serve a God who can redeem the time. Many of you, besides myself, you know what it's like to experience the roughness of life. I, I'm sure if we sat down, many of you have, will have stories, maybe not like mine, but you have a story. Some of you are feeling so much shame and it prevents you from telling anyone your dark secrets. Maybe you've been through abuse. Maybe you're looking at pornography. Maybe you cheated outside your marriage. I don't know. Maybe you're addicted to ice cream, for all I know. But some of you have been through a lot, which is no fault of your own. Oftentimes, we're so quick to, to give out rules out as to how people should dress and how they should act or the way they should look. We're so big on behavior modification, but what they need is a soul transformation. And the behavior will take care of itself. We as the church have to have compassion and understanding before we start making wrong assumption and condemning people. It took a church like Maple Grove Assemblies of God to help me find my way to help me bring my search to an end. God used that church to help me in a way that I could never repay him. Pastor Greg, who you'll see a picture of me, who wrote in my Bible when I was credentialed under the Assemblies of God, that's the man and the pastor that helped me. He never judged me, but he never done, dumbed down the gospel for me either because he knew I was coming out of that life. But he set me up. He helped me, and he changed the trajectory of my life. The women's group took me under their wing, even though I didn't look like them, walk like them, or talk like them. I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating. We cannot be afraid of people who don't look like us, walk like us, or talk like us. How will they know the gospel if we don't be that light in their lives? When they come in, you don't have to do it by yourself. You can always bring somebody with you. But as Pastor said early, let them know they're welcome. God will do the rest. He's very capable. They're searching for something. They're, they're searching for a place of belonging. And the only place they can find that, I believe, is in the church. Of course, two members of the congregation allow me to stay in their home so that I could be guided into a place of fulfillment and a place of righteousness. I saw them as people who cared for someone that needed to be loved unconditionally. And because of their unconditional love, they were able to point me through a true revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That's what I call the church. Because the church isn't a stained glass, it's not a steeple, it's not a building. We are the church. 
God wants to use us. My question to each and every one of you, are you willing to go through the pain of God using you? Oh, we can say yes, but things are about to get harder in this world. We have not been tested, and we will be. I believe we're in the last days that is impacting our generation. If we don't wake up, church, they will continue to prey on our children. They are determined to change the curriculums in our schools, take over our sports and our bathrooms, as you can well see, take away parental rights. I believe that Satan is in his last attempt to mess with what is near and dear to God's heart, and that's the family. You do not have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. I can't think of a better place or a better time to determine in your hearts that as the church, we will not be silenced. A man in a costume. That's all they are. Or a woman in a costume. I lost my brother to AIDS. It still impacts me because I left. I've been gone for over 40 years. I left when I was 21. I wasn't there when he passed. Thank God I was in the room with my mother when she passed away, which is heartbreaking for me to lose my mother. We had a great relationship. You can't hold somebody accountable for what they didn't know. My mother didn't know any better. She didn't have the tools. And the day she apologized to me is the day I was able to build a relationship with her. We have to stop holding our parents accountable for something they didn't know or something that was out of their control. I believe God wants to set people free. This is not a time to embarrass anybody. I pretty much told you all about myself. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel either because it's the power of salvation to all those who believe. We all know somebody, whether it's a friend or family member, or even if it's ourselves, that are struggling in this area of homosexuality. Maybe it's pornography, maybe you're having sex outside of marriage, maybe it's drugs, whatever it may be. Can you, pre can you feel his presence? God showed up and it wasn't nothing I did or nothing I planned, nothing Daniel planned. When God shows up and you can feel his presence this strong, he wants to do something. Not tomorrow, not when the service is over, but now. I believe Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. I could jump on the plane tomorrow morning and this could be the last place that I speak at. You see, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, as we all know, with all the shootings and planes going down. And But I want to make sure that my last day on the planet, that I'm right with God. Or that I'm praying for somebody that needs to be right with God. That I stand in the gap for them. I don't know if you heard me this morning talk about my spiritual father, Mac Hammond, did an altar call and his brother-in-law came forward and everybody was wondering and whispering, why did he come forward? That's Mac's brother-in-law. He is addicted to ice cream. <laughs> he ate so much ice cream, he wanted to be free. It doesn't matter why you come forward. 
Because when we stand before God, you're going to stand alone. That spouse next to you or that friend is not going to be with you. And if they are, they're going to throw your butt under the bus. <laughs> it was his fault. It was her fault. It wasn't my fault. We all will stand before the Lord and give an account. It's not a threat, but it's a promise. If you need to stand in the gap, if you're struggling in this area, if you have a child, family member, when you come forward, you're saying, God, I got it. I got the message. It's not about Janet. It's not about the pastor. It's about you. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Let us pray for you and your family. I'm going to ask you to come. Don't let Satan do this to you. You can sit there. I can shut it down right now. And, but come when the Holy, you sense the Holy Spirit and his anointing. I'm only going to give you about two minutes. Thank you. I don't care if you're struggling, if you have a family member, a friend, your dog, your cat, I don't know. Come forward. Whatever it may be, God knows. We don't need to know. He knows. Stop letting Satan control and rule over your life. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to use you guys. Once your family gets set free or once you get set free, imagine the testimony that you will have and how you can impact those that are coming behind you. That's what this is all about for me, is impacting the world for Jesus Christ. We're going to wait a few more seconds. I'm a person that believes that my voice should not be the last voice you hear I will be out at my book table I'm going to have Pastor Daniel come up and take over from here I love this God is doing something powerful and I love that in a lineup of people, there's people who say, I want to be free. And there's people here who are going, I want to be free from pride. Next to somebody who goes, I want to be free from homosexuality. Next to someone who says, I want to be free from anger and from my addiction and from my sin. I love that we can come to him no matter what it is that we're navigating and that God wants to bring freedom. I'm going to pray for everybody that's up here because as, as you've come up and said, God, here I am and I'm laying something down. I'm coming because I need you. There are people in different groups and I want, I want you to, to recognize if you're here and you say, you know what? I am not right with God. And I want to be in, and I'm coming because I need to be free from, from whatever my sin may be. I need that forgiveness. I want to give you a chance to say, today, I lay that down. I lay me down and I receive what Jesus has for me. There's a lot of different freedom. But I want, I want you to know that you said, today, I make him Lord. We're going we're gonna to pray here in just a, just a second. Um, and I'm just going to invite everyone, I'm going to pray over them and then I'll let you know when to start repeating after me. And those who are saying, hey, I want to make Jesus my Lord. And if you've already done that, you can join us for that part. But 
Let me pray for them. God, I thank you for each person who's here who says, I want freedom in my life. God, I want what you have for me. God, I don't want to hold anything back. God, whether it's my selfishness, my pride, my arrogance, my lust, my my sexual desires, God, my identity, God, I bring it to you. And God, I thank you that your grace would meet them right where they are, that you strengthen them, that you equip them, that you've forgiven them, that you have chosen them, that you have called them out of the, the mess that they've been in, God, that you want to move in each of their lives. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you to, to, to pray this with me for those who say, you know what, hey, I'm making Jesus my Lord or those who've done that before can join us. Say, God, thank you for loving me right where I'm at. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that you died and rose again, that your blood paid the price for me. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.